0: Hey everybody, I want to take a second to tell you about Snagit 2022. I don't have time to go into all the details about Snagit 2022, but it has a variety of options for fast and easy to use video creation. It's got new ways to work across devices and platforms with the new cloud library. And your purchase or upgrade includes your first year of maintenance and the newly updated Snagit certification course. With 20 plus videos and Snagit how-tos, certification is a great way to help you speed up your workflows, unlock potential, and get your work done faster. So check out Snagit 2022 today at snagit.com. And now, back to the podcast. Hello everybody, my name is Matt Pierce. I'm the Learning and Video Ambassador for TechSmith Corporation. So glad that you could be here with us today on the Visual Lounge. We're thankful that you're joining wherever you are, or if you're listening to the podcast, we're grateful for that too. As we get started today, just a reminder, if you have comments or questions, leave them in the chat. If you're watching live, if you're watching the podcast, don't hesitate to reach out to us. We love to answer questions and help people out whenever we can. We are grateful for today's topic. We're gonna be talking about accessibility. Now, you might be thinking accessibility, why do I need that? And we're gonna answer that question, why accessibility is so important, not just if you're talking to those folks who are disabled or are in need, but why it can be beneficial in other ways also, although the first reason is good enough. So with that said, let's jump in. Let me go ahead and introduce our guest today. I am actually so lucky. I work with the coolest people in existence and then I have the good fortune to bring them on to the visual lounge and talk with them. Today's guest, is, and if you've ever read the TechSmith blog, you've probably read his words and advice. He is a content creator who's helped with PR, creating blog posts, video scripts, eBooks, ad copy, and more all in order to bring value to our customers. Ryan Knott, or as I first met him was as Mr. Just Knott, cause I had the <laughs> awesome privilege of working with his amazing wife prior to him joining TechSmith, is he is also a great advocate for what is right and decent. He's got uh, amazing pups that make two infrequent appearances during Zoom meetings. He's been a roller, uh, roller derby coach, announcer, and I'm pretty sure if you go into an iced tea drinking contest, he will drink you under the table without any hesitation or problem. It is my privilege and pleasure to welcome Ryan Knott to the Visual Lounge. Hey, Ryan, welcome. Hey, everybody. Thanks, Matt. That's, that, was, that was a heck of an introduction. Well, you know, I, I was thinking about the, all the things I, I, you know, are so cool about you and uh, so appreciative of, of your knowledge and wisdom. And, uh, and you've been at TechSmith for a little while now, right? So, right are you going to, into almost five years? Yeah, about four and a half years now. It's uh, it, it which is funny
1: because I still feel like a new guy half the time. Not you know not because people treat me that way, but just because well there's so much to learn obviously, but you know just uh it, it's such an exciting place to work and and you you hit the nail on the head. I mean, we work with so many cool, knowledgeable, amazing people. Um
0: yeah, four and a half years feels like uh, I'm just getting started. That's, you know, it's funny. I've been there uh, significantly longer and I, I feel very much the same way. So, so, so Ryan, for those, obviously I said a lot about you in, in the intro, but is there anything I left out that you'd want people to know about you as we get started today?
1: Um, you, you know, other than, other than that, um, you know, just sort of how I got started in accessibility, really. Um, I, I used to work for uh, an organization that did consulting work for the um, Michigan Department of Education's Office of Special Education, and uh, that's how I really got into accessibility work in uh, especially digital content, website, um, both internal and external content. And so that's you know that's sort of how I fell into this space a little bit. Um, I, my my entire career in a lot of ways is falling into different things and discovering I have a passion for it. So this was one of the latest
0: things that I sort of fell into. Oh, that, is, that is absolutely awesome, and I, and I love that, that that's one of the things that we're able to talk about because it's something that's been on my mind a lot about how do we make things more accessible, how do we approach, you know, kind of the, the communities of need in terms of digital content because, you know, obviously we leave kind of a whole chunk of the, the, the world out when we're not being accessible, but let's step back a little bit. So when we say the word accessible, for you, Ryan, what, what are we talking about?
1: Accessibility, and this may seem obvious, you know, sort of when you think about it, but it, it the best way to describe it is removing barriers to people's access to digital content, and, and that's what we mean in in the in this sort of space is that digital content, um, removing the barriers that prevent some people, and in some cases all people, um, or most people, from accessing content in the way that the content creators intended, um, and it's uh, it's really about um you know providing access it's no different in many ways than you know providing wheelchair ramps for you know brick and mortar businesses um it's really more about uh, removing barriers
0: yeah i love that and i i love the analogy right there's a there's a the physical analog or i guess in in the real world kind of not digital but then it it does seem like Ryan that um Accessibility, I I see it popping up more and more, but it doesn't seem like we're very far into the world of making digital content accessible.
1: Well, you know, um, I sort of, uh, I'll I'll probably have a lot of analogies because I think in analogies a lot of the time, but, you know, I I think about, you know, we all sort of jumped in a car, you know, 20 or 30 years ago, you know, and, and just started producing tons and tons and tons of digital content. And then we realized sort of halfway through the trip that we forgot to grab a few people and bring them with us. And so in a lot of ways, that's the way so we're, we're now playing catch up. We're like, OK, we created all this digital content or we created all these ways to create digital content, but we didn't necessarily create ways for people with disabilities, um, people who need extra assistance to, to consume that content.
0: Yeah, so so one things that we, uh, we I want to make sure we're talking about Ryan is uh, there's definitely clear the benefit of like we are going to help this group uh, be able to access, understand, get you know obtain the knowledge that we're sharing with them. But one of the things I think is interesting that it accessibility also has other benefits. You kind of mentioned this that it could be for all people, right? Like that. You know, we talk about, I guess maybe let's even back up a little bit further because I'm getting ahead of myself. Let's talk about some examples here. So when we say accessibility, like for, for video, what types of things would make video more accessible, for instance? Well, the first thing that comes to mind for me is captions. And that's a great example because it's
1: actually useful for, it's not just useful for people who are deaf or hard of hearing. Um, you know, captions are great for people who have to watch your video but can't have the sound up. Or people who may be watching your video in uh, an extra loud environment. You know, those captions help them consume the content in the way we intended them to consume it. Um, and that's just one of many, many ways that accessible, creating content that's accessible for those with disabilities or those who need extra assistance actually benefits
0: more people
1: than than you might think.
0: Well, I, I love captions like just as a uh, like when I watch television or Netflix, I have the captions on. One, because I never know what noise the kids are going to make or that is going to be around the house. But two, sometimes I find just the way it was recorded, the the audio, I can't I don't necessarily catch the words. And maybe it's because I'm getting older. My, I, you know, as, as I can see from your guitars in the background, you maybe you've got <laughs> some hearing loss and damage yourself. Uh, I know I have a little bit and it's like it just it just aids me along that process even though I, I don't consider like I have a great necessarily need. Well, it's, it's funny that you mentioned that um, I, I as I was
1: preparing to to come on the, the podcast today, I, I started pulling some statistics and things like that, you know, just some things to refresh my my own mind on uh, on this. And um, one of the things that I learned that I was I didn't even actually know uh, almost 20 percent, 18 percent of adults aged 20 to 69 have what they call speech frequency hearing loss in both ears. And that's speech frequency hearing loss is hearing loss at the sound frequencies where speech typically happens. Um, so, I mean, that's, so what you're describing is not uncommon at all. I, I, you mentioned my guitars, I was in a band for 20 years and we did not wear ear protection and I absolutely have trouble hearing conversations in restaurants, especially if it's, you know, lots of background noise or whatever. Uh, My poor wife, uh, I'm constantly saying to her, what was that? What was that? Say that again. (laughs) Um, so absolutely, you know, so. I would not cons- certainly consider myself um, deaf or hard of hearing, but I have enough significant hearing loss that yeah, captions
0: provide a
1: benefit to me.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Well, let's look at let's talk about one other accessibility. Where I mean, we're big about images and videos. So for because I'm guessing it's different, right? Like we don't often caption images per se. So what does accessibility look like for images? Because it's a kind of a, a whole other beast. At least video has. Picture, moving pictures, you know, do some stuff, you got audio, then you got captions. but but what is it that it makes images accessible?
1: the The biggest thing with images is creating what they call um, alternate text, uh, sometimes you referred to as alternative text uh, or alt text. Um, how whatever you call it, it's a way for screen readers and other other assistive technologies to describe to someone who is blind or visually impaired, what the image shows. And there are all all kinds of um, best practices and things around uh, alt text, uh, and we can get into those a a little bit as well. Um, But it's essentially, alt text describes the important aspects of an image so that someone who either can't see the image or has trouble seeing the image, or who may be viewing a web page without images enabled, can then again consume
0: that content in the way that it was intended. Yeah, no, that's, and that's awesome because I know I've been trying to be much more conscious about like things on, I post on Twitter or whatever that like realizing like, oh, there's, there's value there. But I think all these things and and actually one of our viewers, Jason, mentions that uh, captions are great for, you know, those that don't speak a language, right? We were talking about maybe learning a language before we started today. And um, I definitely know that like, if you're trying to learn a language, the captions can can help. There's uh, for those watching, and Ryan, I don't uh, think you've probably seen this, but there's a, a research study that uh, Dr. Richard Mayer, University of San Diego, he gets mentioned a lot on the show. Actually, um, <laughs> he he has like five ways to improve instructional video, and one of those ways is for foreign language learners to have captions. So, so that those other benefits, right? Not just for accessibility per se, but have other benefits. I think.
1: Well, and, and, you know, and it's, yeah, certainly not, you know, accessibility in the sense of, um, you know, creating content for people, you know, who may have a disability or need assistance, but it's it's another way of reducing or removing or reducing a barrier. Yeah, absolutely.
0: So, okay, so we've got, we've got a couple ideas of some accessibility, and I'm guessing there's tons of ways to make your digital content more accessible, uh, because it's not just all video and images. Um so if if I want to be that conscientious citizen on the digital universe that there is, what can I do? Like I mean, I guess I can caption stuff, but like I'm not even sure where I would start, Ryan. If I want to, I want to do better, and I want to acknowledge. Let's let's just put call the spade a spade here. Is we know this show doesn't have live captions, doesn't have some probably some accessibility functionality that we would we would like, and that's something we're gonna definitely have to look more into. So. This is a moving, it's a moving target, right? We're trying to get better as we, as we progress. So, Uh, so Ryan, where do we start? Well, you know, I, I think probably one of the best or one of the greatest
1: misconceptions about creating accessible content is the idea that you create content and then you make it accessible. And really the best way to do it is to start with accessibility in mind. And I think that's where a lot of the. Um, I don't want to say aggravation, but, uh, you know, a lot of the anxiety or a lot of the um, sort of maybe frustration with creating accessible content from the creator perspective um, comes in is that idea that, well, I've now created this content and now I have to make it accessible. So with content that we've already created, yeah, that's a burden that we have to we have to take on because, well, as you noted, it's the right thing to do for so many reasons. But once you once you begin to center accessibility as part of your content process. Um, it becomes much easier to do. It's much easier to begin creating an accessible, you know, even not visual, a word document, for example. Um, you know, and that you know involves using proper headings and all these other things that Microsoft builds right into Microsoft Word to allow you to create accessible content. It's a lot easier to start with that and make it accessible from the beginning than it is to create it and then go back and say, "Okay, what do I need to do to make this accessible?" Um, and so that's probably my 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 biggest thing right off the bat is centering accessibility earlier in your creation process so that it's not
0: something you have to think about or something that's an afterthought later on yeah, I love that. I love that it, you know, yes, there's probably lots of work to go back and fix and things to fix. But if you just start even today, eventually, that content, yes. that old content will hopefully be updated or replaced and it, it won't be a big deal to do that. Okay, so so we're gonna build into our process, but what does building it into that process look like, Ryan? Because um, you know, I've read about this much and so I, I don't feel like I even know where to go to start making this really work for, for my content, let alone, I'm guessing there's a lot of other people who are just, in, it's, it feels very intimidating, right? Because you want to do it right. You want to do it well, but it's also this extra stuff. So I'm I'm really curious, where would you start? What kind of things would you start doing? Um, so we can get good.
1: Yeah. Well, so let's, let's take the example of, of, of creating a video, for, um, and making it accessible. There are a lot of things immediately that you can keep in mind before you even think about captioning and things like that. Um, and one of the reasons that accessible content is better content for everybody is that in a lot of ways, it 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 requires you to be more thoughtful about the content you create. And so it's really easy to want to sit down and do, You know, and, and we do this all day, every day, sit down and want to make a quick video. And you're just like, I'm going to do this off the cuff. I'm just going to say some things and highlight a few things in this video and then... I'm going to send it off and, and and that'll be good enough. And in a lot of case, and in some cases, that's going to be good enough, depending on your audience and that sort of thing. You know, if you're sending it to one person, whatever. But, you know, if you're creating a video for a wider audience and that wider audience will likely include, as all wider audiences will, people who may have a disability or may have a need for an assistive technology, you need to start thinking early on. And so that starts for me with things like writing a script rather than trying to just do it off the cuff. Really think about the the, the construct of your content and how you're going to move through that content. Um, set it up in a hierarchy so that it's... Um, a logical way for people to move through that content. Um, and then, you know, when, when you have a script, it's a way easier to then do things like generate a transcript or generate captions Um um, you know, before the show, we were talking about. I, I wanted to bring up um, TextSmith Audiate, which is our um, uh, voiceover recording software. And I'm, I'm not here to sell you TextSmith Audiate necessarily, but as a as a as a accessibility advocate and somebody who's p- uh, passionate about accessibility, the coolest thing about TextSmith Audiate to me is that you speak into the microphone; it transcribes what you're speaking and then you can export that as a captions file and a transcript file so that you already have those things ready to go. But again, starting with that script and starting with things like um, making sure that any imagery you use in your video, uh, make sure that's high contrast so that people who may have visual impairment don't have to sort of, you know, try and guess what areas are important on your screen. Um, Just being more mindful of what you're creating before you have to think of, you know, before the end, and you're, and you're thinking, "Oh, now I need to make this accessible."
0: Yeah, I, well, I love your example with audio, right? Because it's something a tool like that does make it just so easy to to create create captions. There's there's not much work involved, and you know, we're we're big advocates of scripts around TechSmith anyway. Uh, so I love that advice that you don't have. To, if you start there, your your work is mostly done. So that makes a lot of sense to me. Yeah.
1: And, you know, even with with images and things like that. So, you know, you're, you're creating a document that's going to include images, um, you know, again, being mindful that the images you're including are actually important to the content. Um, and th- there there are ways in, uh, you know, in, in, in text documents or, or in Web pages or whatever to mark images as um, decorative rather and then screen readers will ignore them, essentially. Um, but that can be. Um, that can be a slippery slope in a lot of ways. You know, you add a whole bunch of images, and then you're like, "Well, why did I add those images if they're not important to the content?" That sort of thing. Anyway, um, but you know, being mindful of what those images are, um, knowing what your um, alt text for those images should be. Um, I have an example here um, uh, of an image. Uh, if, if I can share my screen real quick. Yeah. Um, uh, Writing alt text for images is in a lot of ways much more of an art form than it is a science Um, One second here See if I can do this
0: without... While you're getting it up, um, I want to share a comment from uh, one of our users here real quick. I'll just switch to this view. Roger on LinkedIn said, I've learned a lot about accessibility by sitting with our blind employee that uses courses I've developed. Once I started seeing his frustration with navigation, icons, and various elements that I didn't set up properly, it really hit home how important it is to make it accessible as possible. Now I keep that in mind right from the start. So th- that's a, a great con- uh, comment.
1: And I had a very similar experience uh, when I worked uh, for the, for the um, Department of Education Office of Special Education. Um, th- there was a user there who relied on assistive technology, re- relied on a screen reader. And uh, yeah, just having an opportunity to sit with him even for an hour. And watch him go through inaccessible content, and the frustration, and the—I mean, for, for many things, it was impossible. There was just no way to for, for that for that person, that person who needs to consume that content to actually consume the content. And I, um, yeah, it, it can be life changing. And it, it's also it, it, it's important to remember to put a human face on on these things. You know, it's not just about doing a thing. it's about helping people it's about helping people get through their day, get through their lives. Um, and yeah and when I think about it like that, it like i I can't even i I can't fathom the argument uh, why you wouldn't want to do that. Um, so uh, yeah, it, it's that that is a fantastic comment, and uh, yeah, it, it, once you humanize that and 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 put that face to it, it's it's hard to hard to not want to do it. so here's that. Image. Let me make sure I'm sharing
0: real quick. Yeah, so, okay, so we're gonna get this up. There's gonna be a quick clip. Is yeah, all right. It worked. It's it, you. Are, we can oh, see your screen. Look at that. Now I can just on, turn it, like it off a in a minute. <laughs> yeah. So exactly like an
1: image like this. Um, you know, how do you write the alt text for this image? Well, there is no right alt text for this image because it all depends on the context. Um, if this is a fashion catalog, I'm going to want to describe the things this woman is wearing. I'm going to want to describe, you know, if it's a shoe catalog, I'm going to talk about her shoes. Um, if it's a, an ad for soccer turf, I'm going to describe, you know, the benefits of the soccer turf. I'm going to describe the important parts of the image are what you need to convey in your alt text. And the other thing about alt text too, is that, you know, you want to keep it brief, um, so, like, I, I'm sure I could go on for you know quite a long time describing this image, describing you know what she's wearing. The you know it, it, maybe this is an image for how to properly stretch your back. You know th- that's going to be a whole different kind of alt text for this image. You know because I'm going to be describing what she's doing, not necessarily her surroundings. And so, you know, picking and choosing the things that are important about the image to include in your alt text. That's you know that's just one of the ways that. Um, you can ensure content is accessible before you publish your content or before you, you know, as you're going through the content creation process, like choosing an image that actually conveys the thing you want to convey.
0: So real quick, Ryan, as as I'm thinking about this, I mean, it feels like there's there's layers of, of depth here, right? And obviously someone who's, you've spent a lot of time thinking about this, practicing it. Um, but it feels like at the, at the very surface level, and I'm not saying this is where anyone should stop, but it feels like if we're at least doing something... We are going to make progress to making people's lives better, and and like everything else, is with practice and time, we will we will make alt text, captions, accessibility f- pieces better. Um, we'll make it more accessible. But if if we can't be the best right now, if we at least are doing something, we're making good progress. Is that is that fair? <laughs> Yeah,
1: I think so. You know, I think we always want to be striving for doing the best we can. Um, But, yeah, certainly doing doing some is better than doing none at all. Um, It's really easy to sort of want to step back and be like, you know, I'm I'm afraid that if, you know, if I do this or uh, and I do it wrong, that, you know, I'm going to get called out for it or whatever. Um, But certainly not doing it at all. I mean, it comes with all kinds of consequences. Um, I I I was reading today that. in 2018, I think so. You know, it's it's not even it's it's also a a, a business risk issue. Um, in 2018, um, I think there were 2,200 uh, lawsuits filed um, about uh, inaccessibility on websites. Um, these are. Commercial websites. Um, And uh, that's a 181% increase over um, the previous year. And that is only, I think, going to continue to increase until businesses start, you know, sort of embracing that uh, accessibility um, requirement. So, but yeah, certainly doing something is better than doing nothing, as long as you're continuing to build that accessibility sort of backlog as well and saying, okay, so we've done this. And then, you know, now we're going to start looking at these things that we can add and, and, and make it even more accessible. Um, you know, it's, you don't want to, hit that line and say, well, at least we're doing something and now we're not going to do anything else. Um, But yeah, certainly get started, get, you know, get to start thinking about accessibility, start building accessibility into your, into your current projects and then, you know,
0: build your accessibility portfolio and your accessibility abilities um, as you go. Yeah, no, that, that is awesome. And I appreciate that. And I appreciate bringing that, that, the legal perspective. I mean, not that we're lawyers here, but like the fact that this is a real risk beyond just not helping people which i think you and i would agree is probably the best reason um Absolutely. but if you if that's not enough th- and we've got a great question, and this is actually from uh, Jessie, and uh, she's asking questions now, uh, which we're so glad she's involved. <laughs> great. Uh, Jessie, we we love and appreciate all that you do to help us out here. She says, and I think this is a really important question. I'm glad she's asking it. How can you help normalize the process of creating accessibility content from the start with your team? Where would you start? So let's say you're in an organization. This hasn't been a priority. They're not worried too, like, ah, oh, we're not too worried about the legal stuff. and But you're like, yeah, this is really important. How do you go about getting your team, your your company or organization to say, like, yes, this is this is something we're going to need to do?
1: Well, I, I think you need to take a, sort of a multifaceted approach, you know, and I, I think we've talked about some of those ways you know, here. I mean, you, for, you know, some people may need to hear that more practical legal side. If we don't do this, we can get and probably will eventually get sued you know so you can look at it from that legal risk perspective um for other people you know it it may be sort of that this is the right thing to do and now going back and you know yes going back and looking at all of our old content and trying to figure out you know how do we make this old content accessible sounds like a huge job and it is um but it's the right thing to do and we need to do it um and then just you know from, from from the other other perspective like look at it in in, in 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 how did we start doing other processes differently? Um, you know, I, I think in a lot of ways, you know creating accessible content or creating content that will be accessible when it's finished is a lot like creating content for um, localization. You know most most companies wouldn't bat an eye. At creating content that's ready to be localized into different languages, especially if they're in those markets, you know, if I've created a, if I created a, a video that needs to be localized for Spain or for um, Brazil or, or some something like that, like there are certain rules and things that I can do. And, you know, certainly our accessibility uh, or excuse me, our localization people here at TechSmith are incredible and have taught us very well. But. You know, th- I know that there are certain rules I need to follow certain things I need to do to make sure that that content is ready to be localized uh, so that it's um, accessible, for lack of a better term, to people who speak you know, Spanish or Portuguese or French or Chinese you know, or Mandarin or, or, you know, whatever. Um, so it's it, it, there isn't I don't think any one argument for for create you know, like hel- helping your team get to, to recognize the importance of creating accessible content Um You know, uh, when I worked at the Office of Special Education or worked for the group that did consulting for the Office of Special Education, I mean, it's embarrassing to say, but their website wasn't accessible. And they actually got sued by the federal government for it. And that's really one of the ways that I became very, very (laughs) intimately involved with with accessibility is that we had to suddenly back up and say, okay, now we do have to go through this content backlog and start making it accessible. And I'll tell you something that, uh, you know, I think that there's sort of an added benefit to it. It's also a great opportunity to do a content audit. You can go back and say, okay, well, we've got 6,000 documents, but you know what? Only 2,000 of those documents are actually relevant anymore, so we can get rid of these 4,000 documents. but you know so certainly sometimes that urgency can come through that emergency situation can come through and that's you know and then suddenly it's all hands on deck but i think you know as an accessibility advocate you know sometimes just making sure you bring it up as often as you can you know <laughs> sometimes it's a question of the squeaky wheel getting the
0: getting the oil you know yeah, I gotta gotta keep beating the drum to make sure, because well, because it, of its importance. Um, before we've got some time, we're gonna keep talking here. But one of the things I want to make sure to at least note to to get from you, Ryan, is if you have any resources or you know uh, recommendations for learning best practices to create accessible content. Because I I, I think um, my guess is you know we can talk who are blue in the face, a lot of people can say hey, it's so important, but it's, it comes down to the action and doing. Um, so if you do have any resources before we end today, I want to make sure we grab those from you because uh, uh, we want to make sure we're enabling other advocates and others to be able to do this as well.
1: For sure. Uh, the the one that comes to mind, the sort of the ultimate resource for uh, certainly web accessibility anyway is uh, W3.org, uh, and they're the keepers of and the publishers of and the... Um, curators of the Web Accessibility Guidelines, Web Content Accessibility Guidelines, excuse me, which the acronym for is WCAG or WCAG, which is terrible, but but it serves its purpose. Um, you know, th- they're certainly an excellent resource. They have so much stuff about creating accessible content, about the rules around accessible content and the regulations as part of the American with Disabilities Act, especially for people here in the U.S., um let's uh and then uh, it, uh, another one um that's really more about how to teach accessibility especially in higher education um is uh, an organization called Teach Access. Uh, my friend Kate Sanka is uh the executive director of this of this group um and they're uh they're an advocacy advocacy group for teaching accessibility skills so that people coming into the workforce can actually better create accessible content and, and understand you know the, the whys and hows of creating accessible content so those are two right off the top of my head that i would i would say and i can certainly provide uh, provide more and,
0: and what was the last one again with link for that one, Ryan? Oh, it's uh, i'm sorry it's teachaccess.org TeachAccess.org, awesome. Now, I, one of the things I want to make sure we do here, Ryan, because we've talked a lot in the kind of theory, the concept, concepts of like we should do this, and we're right there with you, and I think our audience is right there with you too. Uh, Laura actually says would like to see an example of this successfully done, and so do you have any examples that you could you could show us and talk us through that about kind of making stuff more accessible? For sure. I actually, I I
1: have a chart. So uh, we were talking about images earlier and, you know, images certainly includes things like charts and graphs. Um, And uh, it's uh, charts and graphs tend to have a lot of information in them. So much information that it would be impossible to put it all in in the alt text. One of the things and this is going to get I'm not going to get into the weeds here, I promise. (laughs) One of the things about alternative text is when a screen reader encounters alternative text. Alternative text, the screen reader typically um, will read the entire alternative bit of alternative text or none of it so that, you know, they can stop reading it, but like they can't skip through it. And so if you've got a 300 word alternative text blurb, the person who's there has to listen to the whole thing to get the content or they can listen to none of it and not get the content at all. And so... Certainly, you know, for an image of a woman standing in a soccer field where you might be saying, uh, you know, or, you know, doing that, for example, if, if we were describing the stretch she was doing, it would be very easy to describe that in a brief way. Um, but for something like, and I'll share this image. Um, one second here. This is a great example Um of
0: a a chart and graph or excuse me it's it's a it's a it's a graph and And for anyone who is just listening to this we'll ask you just let you know you can always go over to uh youtube to watch the video if that's helpful to be able to see it
1: so, so yeah, that, oh, good point, good point. I, I forget that there are people just listening. Um, so this is a, an example that I pulled, uh, and I can't remember. I have the website up, and I'm not going to switch over to it. Uh, I, I can provide that. This, this was just an example of how to create, uh, how to make, a chart that's got or a graph that's got quite a bit of information in it. How to make that accessible? And again, just like with the image, it's it's important to recognize what you're trying to convey with that chart. Um, certain most of the time when you're putting a chart in a piece of content or something like that, what you're trying to show is a certain thing from that chart that is important from it. And so, you know, with this um, the uh, with this particular chart, which is um, showing uh, Detroit African American speakers. Um, who are dropping their R's from their from their um, uh, from their speech? And Ryan, um, would you
0: zoom in a little bit on on, on sure. the, the kind of the image itself and snag it there so yeah, we can it a see a little it small. bit clearly? Sorry about that. Yeah. Speaking of oh, accessibility, you gotta <laughs> make sure we can exactly. see exactly. Yeah, right. Oh, is that a great. little better.
1: That's better. All right. So anyway, there's a lot of information here, but not all of it is particularly relevant to what this person was trying to convey with this graph and this particular piece of content. And so I think that this um, so with a with a chart like this, you wouldn't necessarily put what you're trying to convey in the alternative text. What you would probably want to do is either create a caption. So something under the image that describes it, or even probably better, create a few paragraphs below the image that describe what you're trying to convey with that image or with that charter graph. So, for example, um, this uh, text description, so there's, there's, there's a sample text description here for this Detroit chart. And I think this is a really great example of boiling down what looks like a lot of information to just what the person was trying to convey. And so the the, the numbers show that R dropping becomes more common in lower classes, lower percentage of final R, but blah, blah, blah. Um, That is women are more likely than men to approach standard English across social classes. That was the important part of that chart that this particular, person when using this particular graph in their content was trying to convey. They weren't trying to convey everything that's there. They were t- simply trying to show that important part. And so that's that's another example of how when you're trying to describe an image to someone, you want to make sure you're only describing the important parts. And, you know, for something, if you, for example, needed to sh- you wanted people to see all of this information or consume all of the information, I should say, um, that's in this chart, then you would need to write a much longer description, again, b- below in the actual um content of, of the article or whatever you're writing so that someone who cannot get the information from them, that image would then be able to consume it and, and, um, and, and have it either read to them or, or another way described to them in, uh, in their assistive technology
0: well Ryan as you're going through this, this is making me think that like just being much more mindful about provi- things that and I think this isn't this isn't so far out there but to think, think thinking about like context I need to set up context if someone isn't going to be able to see this or understand this without the visual because I know you know one of the benefits I find from using visuals is I can convey so much information right I can put so much information out there because then I can just like oh they could see it but what what it might still be focused on one thing but I'm also providing all this kind of other contextual stuff that you might not get if I were to to not provide that. So I love that that and charts seem like they're probably one of the more complicated visuals cuz there's so many pieces there, but um but but as you said, it for anything it depends on the context of what you're what you're sharing and then you're providing kind of the surrounding data and information and um yeah, it makes makes a lot of sense um but I can imagine that probably feels overwhelming if you haven't done it more than once or twice. For sure. And you get better at it as you do it.
1: Um, you know, and and like you were mentioning earlier, you know, just getting started with it is really the important part. And it's, it's just like everything we talk about here at TechSmith a lot of the time, really, you know, when we talk about you have never made a video before. Well, get started, make a video. Your first video is probably not going to be that good, but your next video will be better. And, it, you know, it's in a lot of ways, it's the same thing with creating accessible content. You're not, you're probably not going to get it exactly right the first time, but... Not exactly right is still better than ter- than not doing it at all, and so you know it it can be overwhelming and it can it can be scary and it's let's face it it's always scary to think about rethinking how we create when it's something we've done a certain way for a long time, and so. Yeah, I I I it can be overwhelming, it can be scary, but just like everything else, jump in and get started with it. Pick a thing and learn how to do it. You know, this week I'm going to learn how to write alternative text for four images and just practice it and and figure out, you know, and then you know you can hand it off to somebody and say, "If if I describe this image to you this way, does that make sense to you?"
0: Yeah. No, I love that. And there's a question I want to get to in a second because I'm thinking about this like you know, oftentimes what we'll say is put things out there and see if it works and, you know, talk to your audience and, you know, ask them for feedback. And, and sometimes you may have access to somebody that can give you that feedback. Uh, Robert asks, he's watching on YouTube. Thank you, Robert, for watching. Is there a site or tool to listen to what your alternative text sounds like? So you said like, you could just read it to someone and say like, Hey, did that make sense? But if you want to hear what that might, that experience might be like, how would someone go about, go about doing that? You know, that's a really good question. And I don't
1: have that answer right off the top of my head. Is there a place where I can provide that? Like uh, when when we we put it in the comments to YouTube and
0: uh, we'll put it in the show notes, things like that. I will look that up and I will have an answer for that. And my my guess is there's ways to enable the screen reader for your own machine. Um, And just, I mean, what a, Ryan, I don't, I've never done that, but I can only imagine the frustration that you might feel trying to go through the experience. without maybe trying to cheat because you can, you can cheat, right? You can skip ahead. You can see or you can hear whatever needs to be seen or heard. Um, but I, I love that idea. Right. Testing it out, seeing what the experience is like.
1: Well, yeah, I mean, I think that's, you know, we take those of us who don't have a disability or who don't need assistive technologies, uh, we take for granted, you know, the fact that we can scrub through a video to find what we're looking for or that we can skim through text to find what we're looking for. Um, You know, this isn't necessarily visual in in nature, but, you know, even even things like, you know, just creating headings in your in your content. Um, People who who use screen readers or other assistive technologies can scan a document using just the headings, just like someone who is sighted can do that, you know, just by sort of scanning it with their eyes. And so but, you know, when you've created a a, a document that doesn't have proper headings, um, they just have to sort of. Look through the whole thing, or listen to the whole thing, or otherwise read the whole thing um, to, to get the content. So there are so many small ways to start building better accessible content. Um, that you know, once you get started with it, and, and that that also goes back to to the um, the idea that accessible content is better content. When you have when you're creating content and you're outlining it and you're thinking about okay, this is a logical hierarchy for this content. This is a good way to present this content. That's a good way to present
0: this content for everybody whether they need a screen reader or other assistive technology or not well i was thinking ryan kind of the the again the real world example of this (coughs) excuse me as i'm choking up here i don't mean to it's not that profound um the the thing that i i was thinking about is like how i benefit from things that are more accessible in the real world right like i think about a crosswalk and the, the a signal like there's a yes there's a light but there's also a sound right that like oh if I wasn't paying attention or I was talking to somebody and I hear the signal, I, I don't even have to think about like, is it green? Is it red? Can I walk? Um, you know, various handrails, right? Like there's times when I've used a handrail going up or down the stairs. So I I, I I, love what you said that it is going to be better for everybody if we just do those things, it's going to make the world just a, a, a better place digitally. How much easier is it, um, you know, even I, I,
1: to, to to walk up a, you know, a small little ramp from the street to the curb versus having to step up, especially if you're dragging, you know, I know you and I both travel a decent amount for work, you know, you're dragging a suitcase and, you know, maybe some other things, you know, like little things that might have at, at first seemed like, oh, well, you know, they're, they're doing this, you know, for for people who need assistance. L- like you said, they, they really do sort of assist us all. And it's and even if they didn't, it would still be the right thing to do. But when you can look at it with that greater benefit as well, um, you know, it, it becomes a lot more difficult to sort of say, well, we'll get to it. Or, yeah, next year we'll look at, you know, accessible, accessible content or that sort of thing. It's... Um, when you begin to look at it more holistically and and as a benefit for everybody, it's a lot easier. Um, I don't wanna use the word justify because you shouldn't have to justify it, but it's a lot easier to get buy-in from everybody um, when when you're looking at it in that regard.
0: No, absolutely. So Ryan, before we wrap up here, um, I'm just curious, we've talked a lot about a a variety of different things with accessibility, anything that you think that you you would wanna kind of final take here, wanna mention about accessibility that we haven't already talked about?
1: You know, I think um, for me, it's just accessibility. It, 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 it's easy to think about it as, and, and we t- we talked about this a little bit. It's easy to think about it as just for people who need disability or who have disabilities, or people who need assistive technologies. And it really isn't. It's it's for everybody. It forces us, and and it and it encourages us to be more mindful in content creation, which we all should be anyway. Um, The other thing I wanted to mention, too, is that um, accessible content isn't just for customer facing or outward facing stuff. Um, Accessible content really (laughs) includes what you're creating internally as well. I think a lot about what it would be like for a person who is blind or visually impaired um, to come to work in an organization that doesn't have content that is accessible to them, or that you know, how do they navigate the 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 network? How do they how do they um, how would somebody you know in in that situation how would they you know review a document from a coworker? How would they watch a video that a coworker has made? And so, keeping in mind that this is a it's not just about customer facing, but also about um, Everybody, the people who work with you, the people who work for you, the people who, you know, partners you may have in other organizations like creating accessible content um, isn't about checking a box. It's about uh, it's, it's sort of a new way to look at how to create content and a better way to look at how to create content.
0: Yeah, well, awesome last take, Ryan. Thank you so much, and thank you for all the your wisdom and knowledge that you shared. I I know I feel inspired to, to go make go do some checking on some of the stuff I'm working on, make sure it's it's fitting some of checking some of the boxes, um, and doing a little bit better job at, at making content that's accessible. And and we encourage everybody. Uh, Jesse's been awesome dropping some uh, links in the chat. We've got we'll make sure those are in the show notes as well for anyone who is listening afterwards and doesn't have access to the chat uh, because a lot of great resources out there. Um, you know, great, great websites. And we encourage everybody to go and, and take the opportunity to learn, learn more about creating accessible content. So thank you, Ryan.
1: Oh, thank you. This is, if you couldn't tell, I'm a little bit passionate about this. So it was, just, it was great to be able to sit down and talk about it.
0: Well, thanks again, Ryan, for joining me today and talking about and sharing so much great wisdom about accessibility and talking about the, the software Raw blog post. We'll, we'll have you back again for sure. Well, thank you so much. This was so much fun. All right, everybody. Thanks again for tuning in with us. We are always happy that you can join us. If you guys have questions, comments, thoughts, leave a review, leave a comment. Let us know what you think about the visual lounge. If you didn't see one other thing I'll mention real quick while we still have at least a few viewers is there is a contest coming up that if you share a post, a video or an image, probably all accessible, of course, uh, about what you've learned from watching over a year of us doing live streaming, we are going to give away three to three people, three individuals are gonna win an op- uh, the opportunity to either get uh, six months of assets for Camtasia or six months assets for Snagit or six months of Audiate. So three people, you gotta use the hashtag visual lounge. It can be on, I believe it's on uh, Facebook, uh, Twitter, Instagram, and LinkedIn. And those are the places we're gonna be watching for that hashtag visual lounge. and. Tell us what you learned from watching one of these episodes. It could be this episode today, it could be one of the ones over the last year that we've done, because we are super excited that we've been able to do this. And your feedback, of course, always helps us to be better. Last thing I'll say here, is if you haven't checked out the TechSmith Academy, it's our free online learning platform where you can go and learn more about video image creation. And I'm thinking, we got to hook Ryan not up with an opportunity to give us a course on some basics of maybe accessibility. We'll, we'll have to figure that out. I don't know if that's going to work, if that's going to fly. He's busy. So anyways, thanks again, everybody, for tuning in. We, got, we will see you next week with another awesome episode. So until then, see you later.